This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. You know, we lived in LA. I mean, you were drawn to the hustle because living in a place like that or New York City or really a lot of big cities now, there's so much opportunity, right? You're like, oh, I got invited to this event and -and so-and-so is going to be there. And well, if I'm not there, right? And so it felt like this FOMO too, like I got to go. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids & Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill. And today we're talking about becoming an intentional couple. In our fast-paced society, it can be difficult for us to slow down and decide what we want out of life and what we want from our marriage. And as parents, it can be even more difficult when our careers and our obligations conflict with our family goals. So how do we find the good life a lot of us couples are seeking? Well, our guest today think that the real good life is closer than we think. Stevie and Cezanne Hendricks are the authors of the new book, A Real Good Life, Discover the Simple Moments that Bring Joy, Connection, and Love. These two are globally recognized digital creators who have spent almost a decade in the online space, connecting with millions worldwide. Stevie and Cezanne have been collectively featured in numerous publications, including Cosmopolitan, People, Forbes, and they've also graced the covers of magazines like Austin Living and Magnify, just to name a few. When they aren't helping couples become more intentional, they enjoy spending time together in Austin, Texas, raising their three little kids under five years old. Welcome to the show, Stevie and Cezanne. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. We are experiencing all the technical difficulties, which nobody knows about but us, which is good. But that's what a good life is, man. It's full of crazy, weird, twisted turns, you know. It's such a good example of just like what happens in the real life, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's real life. Yeah. How are you? Well, both of you are really talking about some great things lately. And you say in your book and in your conversations that a lot of couples want the good life, but that often leads to us chasing the next thing. What do you mean by that? Ooh, good question. Well, Cezanne and I are both people that when we first met in college, we were the only two people at North Texas that looked at each other and said, well, I'm, I'm moving to California to pursue my dreams in entertainment. We just, that's who we are. We're big dreamers, big thinkers, you know, at heart. We're people that really shoot for the stars. But I feel like shooting for the stars sometimes can lead you astray. And so we've been sold this, this good life, you know, which is this ideal life that you hear in songs and see in movies. And that's, that can be a good thing to strive for, but also ultimately it can lead you astray. And so for us, it was like moving to LA, you know, gaining notoriety in the industry of entertainment. And it feels like once we got there, once we hit that quote unquote million followers, we looked around and thought, this isn't it. This isn't the thing that satisfies the soul. This isn't what brings us rest and peace and joy. This isn't it. So there's got to be something else. Yeah. And so in short, Jim Carrey said it really well. I wish everyone could be rich and famous to see that it's not the answer. Now, we're not nearly as rich or famous as Jim Carrey, but I feel like we got just enough of a taste to say, yeah, I think there's more to this life, God. And so what's the direction that we should go next? And so that really led us down that search for what a real good life looks like. 
through that path, through those conversations, what was a moment that maybe happened where you felt like, yeah, this isn't it? Was there a moment in time where you said, both looking at each other saying, yeah, this isn't it. We need to make some changes. Many times. <laughs> Many times. I think, I think what finally got us to open our eyes to see and the, our ears to hear, like coming to that place where we needed to sort of come to the end of ourselves and humbly ask those questions was probably when we had our first daughter, Valentina, our little teeny. I mean, talk about your whole world being rocked and everything around you that just you were in control of, right? When you have a kid, it's like, it's no longer just about you and your day to day. Suddenly a child comes and disrupts your world in the best way possible. And that's exactly what our Valentina did for us when we were out there grinding it out. We realized that what were we cultivating within our home life? We started to look around, we started to audit. You know, when you're going a million miles per hour in the hustle and the bustle of what Western society has fixated upon in order to be successful and live a good life, you forget to stop and look up and look around and to see everything that you've created, which is great, but then to also look and see some of those holes in the areas of your life that have been neglected, just like a garden, like not watering certain seeds in your life can ultimately lead those specific seeds to die. And so we realized that for us, we really needed to redefine what success meant in our lives. And it was in that journey where we started understanding what it actually means in the heart of LA to live a real genuine life. I mean, we were in rooms with and events with some of the biggest celebrities you can think of. We were able to witness firsthand like the people who in this world you would think have it all, you're in the same room as them and you can almost feel and sense that there is this emptiness in what you would think that they're living the life and you can immediately sense and feel that emptiness. And we ourselves have felt and been confronted with that emptiness. And so we've just had to go back and re-audit, right, our life. And it's never, ever too late to do that, despite the season of life you're in, despite your age, despite all of the hardships and the things going on. It is never too late every day to wake up and say, whoa, this is a new day and I can do this a new way, you know. Talk to us about some of the steps that you guys took after that realization that uh, helped you become more intentional with your relationship, with your time, with your family? So many things. Well, we I moved mean, out of LA. Yeah. You know, one, one <laughs> ah, thing there we go. From, from California, you know, Susanna and I both always had dreams about it. was hard. Like, it was hard. We had so many friends. We, we had basically made our way there, you know, in a city that kind of chews people up and spits them out. You know, we had our first child there. We bought our first home. There and were we sweet thought, memories there. Yeah, it was like, this is good. Like, this is good. And God had other plans. You know, he basically bamboozled us. <laughs> I'd like to say he tricked us into moving back to Texas. But what I've realized in life is that God, he often doesn't times give you just what you want. He will give you what you want, but he's more intent on giving you what you need and what he has intended for you. But ultimately, it's up to you to be receptive of that. And so I felt like Susanna and I had to go through a lot of life changes, you know, here moving back to Texas, where we really started this whole thing. It kind of felt like in one sense, we're like, are we starting over? Are we going back, you know, to the place that we came from? And 
we're just taking a huge step back. No, God actually intended for us to simplify our life. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, home, right? He uses home to do that, to simplify our life so that he can actually do more with our days and more with our time. Mm-hmm. And so Cezanne and I started realizing some of the success that we were craving in our life was actually coming out of simplifying our life. And so we've actually had to do that, honestly, like year in, year out. Like <laughs> season we'll, after we'll, season. Yeah, we'll go back and say, hey, what did, what did we do well this year and what did we not do well? And it's not just saying like, oh, I want to run more or I want to go to the gym more. But it's the whole thing. It's the whole enchilada. It's talking about your family. It's talking about your business. It's talking about your personal health, your relationship with God. And so we've had to do that time and time again and realize we are signing ourselves up for these rhythms and these systems that were created by the Western society. But was this really the way that God intended for us to live? Are we living in the purpose that he intended us for and in the rhythm in which he intended us to live? Because I don't want to get to heaven and God goes, hey, yeah, you actually made a lot of money and you, you grew your family, but you never had any time. You didn't have time for me. You didn't have time for your neighbor. You didn't have time for people that were broken down on the side of the road. And so it's kind of reorienting our thinking and saying like, yeah, time is very important. And so simplifying, we have to simplify, right? Something's got to give. And so simplifying your life, we're realizing is really the key to a, a good life. And you know what else, Andy, I've learned is that when you look at, you know, Jesus being that perfect, right, role model and example in our time, you've seen and heard that he actually on average walked about three miles per hour. That was the pace in which Jesus walked in his sandals, you know. And it's like when you look at that and you think about it, when you're walking at that pace, you're really able to take in the things to your left and to your right. And you're able to stop along the way and to see people who are, you know, in need of your time and your attention. And Stevie and I realized that we don't want to be the type of people that are so busy that we don't have time for others, that we don't have time for our kids. And even though When you reach a certain level of success, you can start to build that good life and what you want that to be. You can create that ultimate day where you can hire help and support and not to knock that because we've definitely done that and we've needed that in seasons. But what I've learned and I've realized is that I want to be more available. I I don't want to build a life where I'm too busy chasing something that I forget that the simple moments that create more connection, joy, and love are at my fingertips, but I'm missing it. Like Stevie saying one day when we get to heaven and we're like, whoa, did I miss the mark here? And so I believe that every day is a new day that we have new mercy and new grace. And I'm in a season as a millennial trying to navigate and change the rhythm in which we operate. And it is hard. Like, let's face it. The title of this book, Do Not Be Fooled by a Real Good Life. It's really a real good life. There's two different ways that you can say that. And for us, a real good life is in that real, if you pull that out, it's about the hardships. It's about the ups and the downs. And in in those things, the good and the hard can actually coexist so that you see that the good life is not about what you do tomorrow and what you do in the next five years and how quickly you can get there. A real good life is about taking each day with the hard and embracing the good that's in front of you, despite not being where you want to be yet, because we're all still 
working towards, right? Getting to that next thing and those desires that are put in our hearts for a reason, those goals that we chase, those are all very valuable. And so what Stevie and I really hope to achieve, Andy, through this book is that while we're going to share really compelling narratives about our life and some of the hard stuff that we've had to go through in order to see the good, we also want to share the practical advices and tips and, and tricks really on how to see the good in a 24 hour day because we're all given that. Jesus was given that, we are given that, Beyonce even has 24 hours in a day. And you think like, you know what, if we all get 24 hours in the day, let's break up that day into four phases. Morning, right? Afternoon, evening, and nighttime. Those four phases of the day, when you carve it out like that, there's time and there's room in the mornings to reflect. We believe that the, the midday, is the time to be productive. That's time to focus. Then there's the evening hours where it's all about gathering. And then of course at night, it's about rest. So that's what we're gonna do is we're gonna go on a journey with you in this 17 chapter book. And not only are we gonna share the realest parts of our stories and the hard stuff that we've gone through, but we're also gonna share some things that have really worked when we implement them into our lifestyles and we're intentional with these things and these different rhythms of the day. So we are so excited to share this, this debut book with the world. We're also very nervous because we are honestly a hot mess and people know that about us. Like we share our life every day on social media and Stevie, you will be really great to speak on this of just how influencers today have this stigma attached that they're picture perfect lives. Social media is this glimpse into your perfect good life. We really want to pull the curtain back and be examples that like, we'll be the first to say like, man, there is no such thing as perfection. It's really about direction. Mm -hmm. And that's what we hope to achieve through the narrative and the stories and the thoughts that we share in this book. I love the breakdown. I love the concentration on how to craft a good day. I think there's a lot of people that can feel your message of maybe pursuing the false pursuits, I guess, a little bit. Can we talk a little bit about some of the false pursuits that you guys maybe were pursuing that now is very different in your daily life in Texas? I guess, what did you leave? And now what do you have? How is it different? I think the first thing that we left behind was the hustle and the hurry. You know, when we lived in, in, in L.A., I mean, you were drawn to the hustle because living in a place like that or New York City or really a lot of big cities now, there's so much opportunity, right? You're like, oh, I got invited yeah, to this event and so-and-so is going to be there and well, if I'm not there, right? And so it felt like this FOMO too, of like I got to go because these things lead to, as you know, opportunities and connectivity with other people and jobs and things like that. And so we were overbooking our schedule and that's a real easy one to do. I remember we were at church at Rick Warren's church and he talked about creating margin in your life. And I was like, Oh, I need that. I was like, that sounds fantastic. You know, he's even talking about how you got to expect delays in your life and you have to plan for delays in your life. Even if you're going to the, you know, you're going to church, don't leave 20 minutes before if you know it takes 20 minutes to get there, mm. right? And so what we realized is we needed to create a lot of margin in our life. And then the other thing is that Suzanne and I had put a lot of our eggs in the basket of success. You know, both of us come from pretty humble beginnings. You know, Suzanne lived in an apartment 
till high school, you know, with eight people, you know, and not the best, Mm -hmm. yeah, not the best part of town. My family growing up, we never had anything extra. We never were able to take those dream trips that our friends took. And so I think that produced a hunger in us to be financially successful and to be able to do all the things that we felt like we missed out on early in life. And so that acted as a slingshot, I think, for us in that department. But what we realized is that was becoming our biggest sole pursuit and what we thought would lead to the good life. And we said, oh, this, like we said, this isn't really it. Like pursuing success, pursuing fame, pursuing money, those things that we came out to LA to do, right? Yeah, we were like, "This this isn't the good life. If it's used in the right way, it can enhance your life. But if it's out of place, then it will actually detract from your good life. And so, as you know, getting married and then having children, I believe God designed these things because these are actually steps away from selfishness. Like these are designed to be put into our life to show us that actually it's good to serve your spouse. It's good to serve your children. And so you see people who've made $250 million in their lifetime, but their family's falling apart. So at what cost, right? And so for us, we realized we're like, you know what? Yeah, there's a ton of opportunity, but maybe that opportunity is actually leading us to a very stressed out and busy life and not a life that's actually successful in all these areas. And so we really dialed it back. You know, we really dialed everything back. We started creating margin. We started clearing out clutter in our life and simplifying things. And so that was I think a huge thing for us was was kind of not being so busy all the time and saying no. This generation that's behind us called Gen Z, of course, we were, you know, just if you go online and you can read so many studies right now that these are, you know, adults who grew up during the pandemic, many of them, where a lot of lives had to kind of shift and people were starting to be at home more. And that's where TikTok, right, became, came, came up. And now it seems like everybody wants to be an online digital creator and an influencer because what they're buying into, right, is that, oh my gosh, there's all these opportunities once I hit a million followers. It's always that exact sentence. Once I get to here, fill in the blank, then I will live the good life. And that is what we need to debunk. This Western fixation on the self-pursuit that a good life is when I hit a million followers on Instagram, then I will live a good life and be successful and not be stressed out anymore because I have money coming in my bank account. I get, But we have literally walked through it. We have wrestled with it. And at times we've wanted to completely walk away from it all. And while we love being able to storytell and use the digital space as a as a way to connect with people, because we're just connectors like that's why we're that's why we were still in this a decade later, I think, is because we love the art of being able to connect with people through the beauty side that is the Internet. But man, can it be a playground for the devil to come and lurk and to tempt you and to distract you and to make you compare and, and bully you. And it is a whole nother piece of the side of the pie that people don't always taste and see. And we can humbly say that we have seen and tasted both sides. And while we grew up with humble beginnings, what's funny is we hit that milestone of a million followers. We hit that number in our bank account. We bought that dream house. And why was it that all we wanted to do was the more success that we achieved in that worldly sense, 
the more we were wanting to go back to those humble beginnings again, those simple moments that bring connection, joy, and love. It's not the larger than life things that you see and hear of on Instagram. It's those simple things like going to the park with your child and being able to see the childlike wonder in their eyes and to live so beautifully. And, and it's the pure form of living. And we're like, we want that. That's the good life. I want that. So what are you willing to part ways with and sort of purge and prune in order to see that rose bush start to grow and blossom new roses in your life? And like, that's what the good life feels like. It feels like a garden in each and every single one of our lives where you constantly need to go and you need to maintain, you need to water the seeds, you need to get the soil right. And it's not always in order. Sometimes you've got to go prune and cut back and then revisit. And so we want everybody to challenge themselves to really look deep into your soul. And that's what I think this book is going to do alongside us is we're going to walk with you through that journey because it can be very intimidating for our generation. And we want to see people win. We want people to win in life. And if we can share those experiences that we've sort of learned early on by getting to taste some of that stuff that you think is the good life, then I feel like we're doing our job as true influencers by helping people steer and navigate their good lives, which is actually closer than you think. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan 
above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. marriagekidsandmoney.com slash tello. And after you've created that margin, after you've pruned back things, I love that analogy, by the way, after you've created that margin, you talked about the importance of serving your spouse. How are you guys creating time? Well, we've created the time. How are you guys utilizing that extra time together to grow your relationship, to be better spouses to each other? Give us some examples of what you're doing now. Oh my gosh. Well, moving back to Texas did have the hidden blessing of moving back to grandma uncles, you know, and, and, and aunts and things like that. And so it's, it's pretty simple. Like your marriage needs time. You guys need time together. So we just had our third, his name is Oliver. He's so cute. He's three months old, but you know, having a newborn really can take your time. And Susanna and I have felt a lot of friction over the last, you know, few months because You've just been winded. By yeah, life. it's just there's three kids now. We're playing zone defense. There's a lot more to do in the midst of launching a book. And I just turned to her one day and I was like, you know what? It's so funny. I was like, who knew that we would have a kid and launch a book all at the same time? I was like, it's kind of crazy. Inconvenient. I said, but like, yeah, yeah, I was like, God's not like doing something mean to us. He actually knew that this would happen, the timing of it all. And it feels kind of chaotic, but we have got to continue to say no to things and carve out time for us because Cezanne and I believe, you know, in a house, we are the trunk, we're the, we're the root of this tree. And so there's not going to be fruit produced if mom and dad are not good. Mom and dad are not loving each other because we are like the beginning of that in this household. Right. And you talk about family tree. I know that you said that in the very beginning. And that's funny when you said the trunk analogy, because it is exactly that we are the first sort of example of what a relationship will look like for our children. I mean, that is a real, if all else fails in our life, like that right there is as a purpose. Yeah, and a, if you're a, a stay at home mom, or you are a couple that's grinding it out right now, trying to survive and make ends meet, you know, take a second to stop and really see the beauty and the responsibility that God has given you in your marriage to be that example to a generation to come. I feel like today, more than ever, kids really should see what that looks like in a household. Like not only mom and dad who have it together and then we have disputes and differences behind closed doors and we try to put up this perfect life, but let's talk about a real good life in front of your kids. For us, what we're learning is that when we don't necessarily agree on something, if there's a healthy way to exemplify how to have a healthy argument too in front of your kids so that when they navigate life and when they go through relationships in hard times, they know and see like, oh, I remember how mom and dad would have differences in front of us and how they would communicate in such a healthy way. And it's not bashing each other or competing with one another. It is really showing them and teaching them in all areas of life how mom and dad are also a hot mess. One thing that we've learned to do is when we mess up and we mess up a lot, one of the most powerful things we can do for each other is to humbly go to that person, right? And apologize and say, wow, I really messed up. Will you forgive me on that? But then to also do that with your kids. Sometimes I have literally lashed out on my kids, like the fiery side comes out of me and he's, he's ice and I'm fire. And I'm just like, 
And I'm like, I shouldn't have done that. You know, when you feel that you're like, I shouldn't have said it like that. When you feel that conviction, go to that child, go to that person and just say, Hey, what mommy just did right there. I shouldn't have done that. That wasn't right. Will you forgive me to humbly be able to ask even your child, your toddler for forgiveness will help them set them up for the future. And to be able to know that we all make mistakes, you don't have to feel like you have this life all figured out. And again, it's not about perfection, right? It's about the direction of our hearts. So that's what we try to, I hope, model for our kids because We don't have the but perfect you, but marriage. But you got like to have time. You know, you have to have time. Like date nights. You Never gotta stop have date dating. nights. You've got to be structured even with your time. We have to be structured with our time at night because right now, you know, sometimes we can't work as much during the day because either we want to spend time with our kids or Cezanne's feeding the baby. And so we realize at nighttime, we've got to squeeze in a little bit of work and that's okay. But we'll squeeze in Set a little a timer, bit of work power and hour. we'll squeeze in an hour for us. And so it's just... Being able to try and balance everything and it doesn't it doesn't end perfectly every day, but every day you wake up and you're like you communicate too and you just say, Hey, these are the most important things today. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll just say, like, hey, my like my love tank right now is pretty empty. Like I need some quality time with you. I need to be with you. You know what I mean? Because I'm I'm running on low. And it takes the other person to be receptive and say, okay, I see that and I value that. And so I want to give you a little extra time today or whatever it is that you Compromise. need to kind of fill that, that tank in your marriage. And man, that's so vital in your household. I think that's fantastic. I think modeling that behavior to your children is the best form of parenting. I mean, they only listen to so many things that we say, but they definitely follow our direction. And to your point on marriage putting first, that's a a reason I've named the show. It's marriage, kids and money. Marriage has to come first before your children so they can see that that's a great relationship, as you as you put with that analogy of the tree trunk, for sure. Now, I have to be honest with you, this is kind of a fun interview for me because my wife also comes from a Middle Eastern background. I'm the white guy in the relationship. So <laughs> she's Chaldean, so she's Iraqi Catholic or comes from an Iraqi Catholic background. So I've noticed in my marriage, uh, both the differences in our cultures as well as the, you know, connectivity. So I was going to ask you guys, you know, what sort of differences in your background have you found to be, I guess, difficult? And then which of the differences in your background have you found to be beneficial as you've gone through your relationship, knowing your different backgrounds? Oh my gosh, we used to fight about stuff, you know, and we just didn't realize that it was just a, a difference of how we would see things or present things or communicate. Mm-hmm. I remember when we, we started dating, I would get so mad at her and be like, why are you always yelling at me? She's like, I'm not yelling at you. That's just the way I talk. And I, <laughs> I had to, I'm happy right now. This is passion. Yeah. I had to realize I was, I was like, you know, over time I was like, yeah, she just gets really like passionate about things. And maybe she gets a little bit louder about things and I'm used to, but that doesn't mean that it needs to be a point of tension. I think especially like when you're married to somebody that comes from a totally different cultural background, You can either take the opportunity to dig at those things or you can take the opportunity to value the differences. And I think that's the key. It's the key in any marriage, but it's the key to value your differences, you know, and to say, like, let me try and see where they're coming from, even though I don't necessarily understand it right now. If I can see where they're coming from, I can see the value in it. Right. And then if I can see the value in it, then we're going to have like a much better rapport, a better relationship, better connectivity. And so like when Cezanne and I, who were on, like, we were very much on the edge of just calling it quits before we got engaged. We just started appreciating each other 
And it took us going on a break and saying like, I don't know if this is going to work out to realize that, you know what, the other person might challenge me a lot, but that's actually a good thing. Challenging me to step up. Cezanne had the ultimate challenge in our relationship, which was telling her family that, you know, we were going to get married when she knew that that would lead to her mom and her dad basically disowning her. And so she was presented with that challenge, a much greater challenge than I had, but I also had my own challenges. But she stepped up to that. And she stopped running from it because she knew that this is the relationship she wanted, she wanted in her life and that God was blessing this relationship. But man, it really does take, I think, some self-sacrifice on both sides to lay down your expectations of like what a perfect you know, spouse looks like sometimes or how they should talk to you or whatever. And just saying like, yeah, we have some differences, but how can we embrace those things? And at the same time, compromise and, and meet in the middle. And I think with Stevie's side of the family, they've really inspired me to bring my adventurous spirit out because I always just grew up with, you know, a happy childhood. But also if it scares you, then why would we do it? <laughs> Meanwhile, he's like jumping out of airplanes and doing the most crazy adventure. Everybody. Well, I mean, they would. You're, you're kidding me? Your dad. I've done it a couple times. Your dad I mean, in New Zealand bungee jumping and your mom bungee jumping in her 50s. Oh, yeah. I'm like, this is like amazing, though, for me to She's see She's like, I married that. into the crazy white family. It's, <laughs> but it's in a way, it's it's kind of in, giving me an invitation to, again, that childlike innocence and wonder, wonder that so often as adults, we feel like we have to part ways from. His family has really brought that out in me again to have fun, to be adventurous, to not let fear cripple you from trying something new and maybe something that scares you a little bit and that's okay. And I think too, with my family, you know, what Stevie has experienced and witnessed is that, you know, they have really opened his eyes to, they've really opened his eyes to just the culture and the flavor that is, you know, in the Middle yeah. East. Stevie, I remember the first time he tried my mom's dolma, which is this delicious pot of grape leaves and vegetables oh wrapped with rice. I remember he looked at that and he was so afraid. Talk about terrified. That was his adventurous <laughs> side where he's like, okay, what is this going to be I didn't like? like? I didn't like it at first. At first he was like, what are all these flavors? And now you're obsessed with dolma. My ever. mom. And so it's just been really beautiful to see how God has written our story in a way that we didn't think that this is how our life was going to play out. But it's really amazing when you do give God the pen and the paper to your life and you say, do what you're going to do, because I know that you're going to write something so much more beautiful and amazing, despite the hard stuff you've got to go through, than what I could ever write and what I could ever do. So our prayer and our hope is that whoever, you know, reads our book will leave away with some real compelling stories that make you sort of dig deep and feel more connected mm -hmm. to your life. Because I think that's the reason we're all here on earth is so that we can be connected to our higher selves, a higher power outside of ourselves and to have more relationship all around us, whether it's with ourselves, with our creator, with our spouse, mm -hmm. our children. And that's what we hope this book will give you is an invitation to do just that. I think that's beautiful. We grow grape leaves in our backyard and we make dolma here probably uh, two or three over. times a year. So I was going to say next time you're in Michigan, you got to come by and say hello. Oh, yes. So you've mentioned this book a few times. Tell people more about it and where they can get it. You can get it everywhere. Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, wherever you guys, you can also get it on Audible if you want the audio version, but it's called A Real Good Life. It's really a collection of stories that we felt led to share. You know, they're everyday stories that anyone can connect to, but it's really, it's really just a collection of stories about 
a real good life, which is, you know, there's a lot of hardship, there's heartbreak, there's letdown, but there's also a ton of joy. There's a discovery of hidden blessings that come after you face those hard things. I think that there's probably a lot of people listening to this that maybe they just feel stuck. You know, they feel stuck in where they are. Maybe they feel like they're a slave to their own life. Maybe they don't feel connected to their own life. And I would just say that this book is really meant to be an encouragement for you to get out of that stuck place and realize that God actually has a life that he's intended for you to live. And maybe maybe you're missing it, but it doesn't mean you need to go and do this drastic to-do list, but maybe it's a matter of seeing. Maybe it's a matter of opening your eyes to new things and seeing things with a new lens and saying, maybe God, you actually intended for me to walk through this hard thing, but you've got something wonderful for me on the other side, because I totally believe that just like God is love, he is good and that doesn't change. So if he is loving and he is good, and he's designed you to walk through, just like Cezanne had to walk through telling her family about us. Yeah, she lost relationship with her dad for four years. But you know what? When we came back together and he met me and our daughter for the first time, it's an inexplicable joy and, and richness that you only can receive by going through something hard. Because then it's so appreciative. Yeah. You know, and, and anybody who's gone through hard things knows that. And so... I would just encourage people to pick up this book, A Real Good Life, and share it with somebody, you know, who who needs, needs it, it, who needs the encouragement. Because to be honest, we all do. You know, this is, this is like I said, a book about life. And so Cezanne and I are still now called every day to wake up, face the day, and say, we're going to make this a good day. We're going to make this a good life. Because a good life just doesn't happen. And then you're like, we're here. You never really arrive. It's just a we're just a work in progress. But that's why... God gave us a hundred years, right? To keep showing up. I saw a guy at the gym today who was like 75 years old. And I thought to myself, he's here every time I'm here. And he works out pretty hard. And I'm like, he's actually the toughest guy in this gym because he's 75. His body is sending him signs every day that I'm breaking down, I'm withering, I'm dying. But he's still showing up. He's still living his good life. And he's not giving up on his life, even though it's a lot less then his strength was a lot less than he was when he's 30, but he's still showing up for that. I'm like, man, I want to have that kind of fight when I'm 75 years old. I want to continue fighting for my good life until the very end. I think that makes a really good point. And you can do this good life by creating that time margin so you're allowed to focus on what matters. So thank you both so much for your time today. I really appreciate this message and best wishes to you on this book launch. Thank Thanks you, so Andy. Much, Andy. You too. And hey, we're coming over for that dolma. <laughs> anytime, anytime. <laughs> Conversation all about marriage and family first over the pursuit of more. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Stevie and Suzanne Hendricks. Number one, realize your enough point. As we build wealth for our families, there's going to come a time when you'll realize that more wealth or more stuff isn't going to improve your life that much more. At that point, do your best to recognize that gaining back hours in your day is a better form of wealth creation. With more time, you can take care of your health, you can grow your family bond, and you can realize dreams you never thought were possible. Number two, create more margin. Does it feel like you're rushing from thing to thing without time in between to even breathe? It's time to create more margin in your schedule. Just like it's important to declutter our homes when things get too disorganized, we also need to declutter and organize our schedules. 
chaos and stress are a recipe for parental and marriage burnout. Find some areas to create margin in your schedule today, even if it's just 15 minutes. Over time, you'll be able to create more time and start living the life you always wanted. Number three, embrace gratitude. Many scientific studies have shown that practicing gratitude can be a key component to a happy life. Personally, I find that when I'm down or I'm feeling lost on my journey, taking time to write down what I'm grateful for helps a lot. Even on those really bad days, you know those ones when things are just not going your way? I've written things down as simple as, I'm grateful to be able to run. I'm grateful that I have two legs to run with. I'm grateful that I have a roof over my head to keep me warm. I'm grateful that I have access to clean drinking water whenever I want it. This simple reflection, whether it's in a prayer or meditation or journaling, can help you realize your real good life isn't too far from you already. And those are my top three takeaways, everybody. I would love to hear from you on what yours were. Please hit me up on social media at Marriage Kids and Money on Instagram and Facebook or at Andy Hill MKM on LinkedIn. Let's keep this conversation going. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing our show today, to Mandy Burt for her stellar writing on our blog, and to Weird Digital Marketing for their social media and podcast support. This crew, man, it would not be possible without these folks. They make this show go. Thank you all so much. Hey, if you want to create some more connections with like-minded people who are on a mission to improve their family's finances, well, you should join us in our Thriving Families Facebook group. It's a free Facebook group focused on helping young families thrive. Each week, we ask our members to share some family financial wins they've had. And recently, group member Kristen shared this great news with us in the group. She said, we are on track to max out both Roth IRAs by the end of the year. Kristen, that is awesome. Congratulations on prioritizing a comfortable retirement. This is a huge win for both you and your partner because I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of Coast Fire. If you keep building up that retirement nest egg until you amass so much that you can simply coast and let time and compound interest do the rest of the work for you. That way you can retire comfortably and, you know, if you keep maxing out these Roth IRAs, you'll be headed to Coast Fire in the near future. Nice work, Kristen. Can I get a round of applause for our new friend, Kristen, here? All right. Thank you so much, Kristen, for sharing with us and inspiring others to hit those big family financial goals. If you are looking to make some connections with like-minded people and get inspired by all the th great things that they're doing, please check out our free Thriving Families Facebook community. Go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. I hope to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Socrates. The secret to change is to focus all of your energy not on fighting the old, but on building the new. Take the small steps today to create the future you want for your family, my friends. Carpe diem. <laughs>